Turn to 1 John chapter 4. Before we turn to Romans chapter 12, I want to begin by introducing with a statement from Rome, from uh, Henry Mahan on this 12th chapter of Romans. 1 John chapter 4. Paul, writes Henry Mahan, having taught in the preceding chapters the great doctrines of redemption by grace through faith, now turns to the results of redemption. The life of grace and godliness, or the believer's walk, our conduct and our conversation in this present world, our attitude and duties to God, to the church of God and to all men and to all men may be summed up in one word love our duty to God can be summed up in one word love love he loved us over first John chapter 4 and we'll be there for a couple of moments the theme that we're looking at here is love our reasonable service to our Lord is summed up in one word, love. Look at 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Let me read that again. And we have known, we have understood, we have been, it has been placed in our hearts, and we believe the love of God, the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. We love him, or he loved us, and we love him. Look over at verse 19. We love him, because he first loved us. Now I'm still quoting from, from Henry Mahan. And, and we love one another. Look at verses 20 through 21. If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. Going on to continue with Henry Mahan's introduction to this into this chapter if we do not understand this he says we are not motivated by love if we don't understand what it is to love your neighbor if we don't understand what it is to love God if we don't understand what it is that he loved us then we fail before we even begin our discussion of duties in our works Galatians 5, 13 through 14, we read this. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Use not the liberty of love as, as a reason to, to satisfy the flesh. <clears throat> but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now with that in mind, Lord teach us. Lord teach us to be gracious as you are gracious to us. Look back in our text now in Romans chapter 12. 
beginning at verse 1, we read these words, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Holy, acceptable to God. Now, we know that the only way we are holy and acceptable to God is through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? There's no holiness in this flesh that stands before you. But how do I present my spirit as holy to the Lord? My Savior is doing that for me also. He does everything. Everything that God provide, uh, requires of you and I, our Savior has presented to the Lord perfectly. He has provided perfectly everything that we need. But it, there is a reasonable service to that. What is my reasonable service? I have to walk in this flesh, in this world, don't we? We, we go out into the world every day. We go down to the store. We go to the gas station. We go to work, wherever we might be going. Whatever it is we might have to do. Dealing with our own family that's, that's ungodly. I want to bring a message next Sunday about a new creature. We're going to be looking in, in the book of Luke next Sunday, in the book of Luke chapter 5. We're not going to get to that this week. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But we're going to be looking at this new creature. New wine cannot be put into old bottles. We're going to be looking at a new creature. This is our reasonable service as new creatures in Christ. We go forth into the world declaring what? Jesus is Lord. He is my Lord. That's my declaration to God. That is how I am holy. It's in Him that I'm holy. And God help me not to walk in sin. God help me to turn from my sins and look to Him. But I know I can't in a way that is presentable for Him. What is my reasonable service? Because God has been gracious to me, what is my, re my reasonable service? Paul had anticipation once again of a question that will arise to those who have no understanding of God's grace. Uh, grace means you offer it and I accept it. No, that's not what grace means at all. Grace means you give it to me and I take it because I've got no other choice. i got no other desire. He makes us willing in the day of his power to accept his love, to accept his grace. If it wasn't for him making us willing, we wouldn't accept it at all. We'd continue on that path we were all once on. In the first covenant... Between God and man, the people worshipped by what they thought they were doing by keeping the law. They thought they were keeping the law. They thought that they were doing their uh, reasonable service by keeping the law, and our worship will be, I will sacrifice exactly how God has told me to, I will, sell, I will, I will uh, observe the ceremonies that God has given me, I will worship the things that God has as placed in you know, the mercy seat and all those things, pointing to the one that we are supposed to worship to, Christ Jesus the Lord. And they thought they were actually able to do so. Brother Mike Lovis once wrote a poem on When Light is Dark. Brother Mike's testimony about how he thought he was in the light when he was when he was worshiping God on the seventh day, when he was worshiping God by going door to door knocking. This was what he thought was the light, and in truth it was darkness. Do you know that Paul 
says the same thing. Not quite in those words, but he said that everything that he had done, all of the the worshiping that he thought he was doing in the light of of Christ, it was all counted but done for the grace of Christ, for the grace of our Savior. The first covenant was all about the people worshiped what they thought they were doing by keeping the law. And Paul is teaching Christ is the end of the law or the fulfillment of the law. Our walk before our Lord is in loving his law, even though we know we cannot keep it in any degree. Paul says, I appeal to you, brethren, by the mercies of God, whatever we are called upon to do or say or be or give, fear or even bargaining, but those, but because of mercy, fear not, and because we do it because of the mercy of God to us. And, and we read that over in chapter 4, verse 11 of 1 John. If you're still there, you can read along with me. It says, Beloved, God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. In Ephesians 4.32, we read these words. Turn over to Luke chapter 6, if you would, and I'll read these words in, in Ephesians. Turn over to Luke. Hold your place in Romans. We'll come back. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. And while you're turning there, in Ephesians, we read this. And in chapter 4, verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Isn't that what? Isn't that how we look at things now? Isn't that how we look at being forgiving towards others now? Well, I remember a day when I was forgiving, being forgiving for a reason I had no reason to be forgiving for. I had no reason to be forgiveful forgiving to that person. But I was in my heart. Why? Because God had forgiven me for what I had done to others. Because God had forgiven me of what I had done to him. Over here in Luke chapter 6, look at verses 35 and 36 with me. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. But ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. So back in our text. We also read in that first verse that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Paul is talking about just what you think he's talking about. He's talking about our human faculties. If I was, if I was accepting something that was poor abhorable to our Lord if I was encouraging people to be homosexual could you trust what you see in this one who stands before you if I was attending an adult place of business where only adults go to would you be able to attend to my word being here before you talking about the perfection and the holiness of our Lord. We are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, our human faculties. Let our tongues be busy in praising our God. Let our feet take us to the worship hall, to the assembly, to the door of others to minister. Let our arms be used to embrace and to lift up those that are needy. As a believer, as a priest, we offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. 
We say to him, here am I, Lord. Do what you will with me. Here am I. Take me. Put me where you would. Send me to preach to the lost. Send me to care for the sick. Send me to support the missionary, to preach, uh, to, to cheer the faint, and to comfort the weary. Somehow, Lord, use me to accomplish your purpose. Is that not our reasonable service to the Lord? Folks, we're not our own. We're bought with a price, the price of our Savior's blood. We belong to him. Is it not reasonable for us to walk in service to him? Next we read over in verse 2 of chapter 12. And be not conformed. Be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word world here means the nature or the character or the opinions, the goals and the attitudes of unregenerate men. What are unregenerate men and women? They're folks who don't believe God is God. They believe that their will, that their ability to decide, their, their decision is above God's. They don't believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. They say with their lips that he is. They, they say so with their lips, but in their heart, they don't believe that at all. They don't believe that at all. No, they believe that something that they have done. The world here means to, to it, it means to be not conformed to this world. Don't be a part of this world where you think yourself above God. Humble yourself and put yourself below him. And as God, he will, he will put us there. The worldly man seeks the praise of men, but the believer seeks the praise of God. What, Lord, what would you have me do? Would this bring glory to your name? One of the things Bill and I talked about a lot. Oh, man, I miss that man so much. Just mentioning his name makes my heart sink sometimes. We would talk all the time, as you know, as you well know. And one of the things Bill and I would always put before us in our discussions about, you know, well, should we go do this, you know, is that going to glorify God? I never thought like that before. Did any of you? Not until the Lord moved in my heart to do so. I never had any desire to do anything that pleased the Lord. Would this glorify the Lord? If I do it this way, and, and see, this is the problem, is sometimes we don't think. Sometimes we just act. And, and maybe I should be doing this. Sometimes I just act. And I don't think. If I would stop and think, and, and Lord help me to, because I really want to, if I would just stop and think about things for a moment, is this glorifying my Savior? Oh, how much better things would be better for me. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the, accept, and prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God the worldly one cares for the body. The believer cares for the soul. The worldly one thinks only of himself. The believer considers others. The worldly one looks only upon that which is seen. The believer looks on that which is unseen, spiritual. 
The worldly one cares for what he shall eat, drink, and wear. The believer seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The spiritual attitude can only be accomplished by a renewing or regenerating work of God in our minds and our soul. This spiritual attitude that we're speaking about, this attitude of our desire to do the will of God, this is not something that we just conjure up in ourselves and keep going at. This is something that we need help with because the flesh is always battling against the spirit, is it not? My spirit is not any stronger today than it was yesterday. But Christ in me, supporting that spirit, that new spirit that he's given me, is everything I need to do what needs to be done. Christ in us, the hope of glory. This spiritual attitude can only be accomplished by a renewing or a regenerating work in our minds, in our souls, because it's contrary to the nature of our flesh. Listen to these words from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That's next Sunday, but we'll talk about that in more depth. Old things are passed away. What old things? The old things are living for John for who he is. The old things are living for Roger because that's nobody else. I don't care about anybody else. I only care about me. Oh, we love our children. Yes, we do. I guarantee you, folks, if Christ is not in you, you're first before everything, even the children. Doesn't mean you wouldn't lay down your life for them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if you do something, it's because you wanted to do it for yourself. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Look at that. Let's look at that for a minute here. Philippians chapter 2. Look at verses 12 and 13. We're talking about the regeneration of the heart. We're talking about God doing a, a godly work in our hearts to keep us under the attitude to accomplish a renewing and regenerating work of God. In, in verse 12 and 13, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Brother Mike was mentioning this morning, because I just I just don't know which way the Lord would want me to go. He just he he just doesn't know. He's at a part at a point in his life where he's having to sell something that he's loved for 50 years. He doesn't know where he's going to go from here. I understand his confusion completely. But I told him this. You're exactly where God would have you to be right now. You're accomplishing exactly what our Lord's will is right now in your life. Being confused. I know that's not fun, folks. For some of us, that's a huge detriment. Especially to one who has been most of their lives taking care of things. Just diving in and grabbing a hold of something and taking care of it. But as old leaves drop off a tree to make room for new and so the renewing work of the Spirit in our minds and our hearts pushes out pride, pushes out envy, pushes out malice, pushes out covetousness. In this way we both experience and manifest what is pleasing and honoring to God. Look over to Ephesians chapter 5. 
Look at verses 9 and 10. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Proving what is acceptable. Our fruits, our reasonable service. You're coming to church on Sunday and you're turning around and lying to your partying it up with your friends are you showing them your reasonable service to God look back at our text again if you would Romans chapter 12 verse 3 for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think oh how I would hope that would apply to me. Lord, remind me. Remind me not to think more highly of myself than I ought to think, but to think soberly, soberly, diligently, with all measure of truth, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Paul exhorts us to cultivate our crowning grace. What is our crowning grace? Humility. He's, he's exhorting us to till our humility. Humility doesn't come by just saying, oh, I'm, I'm humble. We have to be tilled. We have to turn it. We have to water it. We have to keep our humility intact. It's not something that's just there. It's like it's like uh, um, respect. How many of us have heard this phrase? You have you can't earn you can't just get respect. In order to get respect, you have to earn it. To be to be humble to be humble. You must be humble. You must work at it. It says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the older. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. That's in 1 Peter 5 5. And remember that our gifts, our knowledge, our ability, and even our faith are the gifts of God where we read in 1 Corinthians 15.10, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly that they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. In our text again we read in verses 4 and 5, For as we may have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being made... So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Paul is now illustrating the union between believers by the human body. The human body is one, but it has many members. And each member is placed there in proportion as it should be. 
to the others for the good of the whole body. The eye sees, but it does not hear. The ear hears, but it does not breathe. So we are one body in Christ and are in a union together with him, having gifts and the ability differing but serving the same purpose. We're serving the good of the body and the glory of Christ. In verses 6 through 8 of our text, we read, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, wherewith whether prophesy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or minister, let us wait on, or ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhorting. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy and with cheerfulness. Now these these are pretty self-explanatory. But let me close with these thoughts. These are reasonable services to our master. Or in other words, for his sake do we do these things. Because of his mercy for me, because of his love for me, I try out of love for him to walk as it pleases him. Do you? Don't answer me. Answer yourself. We'll close with that thought in mind. Next week we'll pick up again from there on.